I did a deep dive this weekend on the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. It's like a psychological profile of the depths of my mind. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Um, uh, it was kind of a slow news week for baseball, so I'm. I'm. I'm banking on on getting some content out of the play. We have the. We have the obviously the highlight of the. Um, uh, Will Craig. Yeah. But I think the only other story of the week really was like the goofy hats. Like. Uh, well, there was also there was also Dave Schilt going off. On, oh yeah. Uh, or Mike Schilt, yeah. Uh, Mike Schilt on. Uh, on uh, the about them going after like a third tier reliever on his first day up from minors <laughs> as like public enemy number one of uh, Stickum. That's a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. We, we we that happened like right after we recorded last week, and last week we talked about like the substances, the foreign substances stuff a bunch. So we're part yeah. of the problem. We're we're part of the yeah. liberal the 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 media elites going hard on. <laughs> Uh, the, the poor kid. Yeah, Joe West, media elite. Was, was was really hard on the guy. I know that's it. Like it's tough. You wanna you wanna criticize you wanna criticize uh, you know the stickum use as like sub rosa cheating, but then Joe West gets involved, and then you're back to a cab. I know. I feel like such. Yeah, I know. I feel like such an asshole because I was like, yeah, MLB should really do something about this, and then like immediately after, Joe West is like. <laughs> confiscating hats and shit. <laughs> like god damn it no i just look like an ass oh that's funny that's a big gulp i couldn't decide if you had a vape or a hookah <laughs> no the vapes over there that's for after I'm... no i have i have the big fu- i have the big fuck off absurd knockoff volcano vape that is that is uh-huh uh, uh, oh awesome starts at approximately 8 30 p.m so we gotta we gotta move this thing along <laughs> all right let's start it up here Welcome back to Batting Around. I'm your co-host, Jane Ost, and uh, with me, as always, is Lauren. I'm Lauren. That's Lauren, and Steven is not here this week. He couldn't make it, breaking his uh, Ripken-esque streak, uh, of which I don't think we'll ever see again, uh, the likes of again, <laughs> but he'll be, he'll be back next week. It's all, you know, don't worry, don't worry about Steven. He's fine. Uh, but in this place, we got somebody else on our third mic here. Uh, it's Charles at Ugarls. You know him. You love him. He's here. Hi. Hi, Charles. And <laughs> we we had to have Charles on this week. We've been we've been we've been waiting to get him on for a while here, but there was there was a weird incident that just necessitated <laughs> his presence here. Oh no. The, I knew it was coming. It's the reason I'm yeah. here and I still dread <laughs> it. <laughs> Lauren or Charles, can you talk about uh, talk about the play? Can we can we can we talk about it? Yeah, I don't know how to start. Um, everybody knows about it. I don't think we need to go through all the specific details. Um, oh, are you kidding? That's where the fun is. <laughs> how about if we start with this? Will Craig, first round draft pick. Yeah, That's right. 2016. Who has had, uh, you know, not the smoothest path up to the big leagues. Uh, you know, I mean, they they got him out of wake as a, you know, power-hitting third baseman, but he's had, like, swing and miss issues his whole time coming up. And he had to be moved from third to first 
for defense, though you wouldn't know it from this game. He's a very good defensive first baseman, right? He won, like, the gold glove when he was in AAA. Like, his third baseman's hands at first base. He's a good first baseman. He just wasn't a good third baseman, you know? He just, he was a guy who you had to slide down the defensive spectrum, right? Right, which and is totally normal. That's, like, that yeah. happens to tons of guys. That's not a big deal. And that was going to yep. be my first question about him, actually. Like, because I was wondering, like, this does, it did seem kind of atypical for him. It is. It is. It's a real and it's a real bummer because that's how you get that's how you get branded for life. Right. But people were saying even like on the day that he was drafted, they were like, he's going to move to first base or a corner outfield or something like that. The, the majors are full of guys who are their high school or college's shortstops who now play corner outfield or first base, right. you know. Right. And so and so that's it. So he moves over to first base. The situation here is uh, Will Contreras, I don't remember how Contreras got on first base, but the way he got to second base (laughs) is that Tyler Anderson picked him off and he was dead meat, but Will Craig like fumbled the ball on the transfer. So he never even made the throw down to second. So now Contreras is at second base. And that's when the fun starts. <laughs> with, two, with two outs. Two outs. The most important thing in any telling of this story is that there were two outs. <laughs> and he hits a hard ground ball right at Eric Gonzalez at third. Another elite glove, mm-hmm. right? Who feels it cleanly and throws it like two feet in front of the bag. And so Craig comes off the base, catches the ball in the baseline, with Javi Baez running right at him. And Baez hits the brakes and runs back to first. Which I think is like the thing that psychologically just destroys Craig and like sets this whole thing into motion. Because like, even like that's really weird. water on a keyboard. <laughs> it's so galaxy brained. <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. And Will Craig short circuits and starts chasing him because that's what you do to someone that's running away from you. Right. And so that's it. Will Craig starts chasing him. And this is the point at which I get mad at everyone on the Pirates who isn't Will Craig. Right? (laughs) Everyone on the Pirates who isn't Will Craig. Everyone at PNC Park. Everyone who isn't yelling at Will Craig just step on the base. (laughs) Because he doesn't step on the base. He chases Baez back. And the reason Baez is doing this, and this, by the way, to me, I can't decide if this makes Javi Baez Loki, right? Just a total chaos agent. Or if he was just as confused as Will Craig. (laughs) Because Wilson Contreras comes around third, slides in safely, and we'll get to that in a second, and Javi Baez celebrates like they've just scored a run. And they haven't scored a run yet. He still has to touch first base. Right? They haven't (laughs) scored the run until Baez touches first. And what happens, right, Will Craig chases him back to, like, 10 feet from the plate. Yeah, like, what's he, what is, what does he think is going to happen? Like, Javi Baez is going to get back to home plate and get another at-bat or something? Yeah, no, I don't know. (laughs) But, like, once you've squeezed him in that far, all you have to do is, like, push him to step on the plate, in which case he's out, or tag him and he's out. But what he does instead is, out of the corner of his eye... He sees Contreras wheeling around third and flying towards the plate, and he throws the ball to Michael Perez at the plate, who then gets the tag down late. And I don't know if Perez called for the ball. No one has sold him out if he did. (laughs) No, not yet. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, so, so now Contreras is technically not quite safe, though the ump gives the safe signal and Baez gives the safe signal. And then Baez is like, nobody's tagged me. <laughs> and now Will Craig is on the wrong side of Javi Baez somehow. <laughs> oh, wait, no, he doesn't have the ball. Yeah, and the second baseman is still by second base just, like, watching this all happen. Nobody's backing up first. <laughs> right, because I think Adam Frazier is thinking to himself, there's no way he hasn't tagged Baez yet. That's right. why he's not covering yeah, first. Yeah. He doesn't have a great view. to yeah. cover if you just tag Baez. But now Baez is sprinting up the line, and Frazier is sprinting towards first base, and Michael Perez throws it behind Frazier <laughs> into right field. <laughs> and so Baez headfirst slides into first, sees where the ball is, bolts for second base, and now Polanco picks the ball up and throws it past the shortstop at second. And so Baez is safe at second. And if you listen to all of the broadcasts, they're breathless because they're like, they don't yeah. even know if Gonzalez is backing up that throw or if Baez is going to end up on third. But he is. He's there. And so that's where the play ends. But of course, Hap hits like a bloop into shallow center next and so Baez <laughs> scores two and so it's a two-run brain fart for Will Craig who was like exceedingly humble about the whole thing afterwards right mm -hmm. like didn't blame anyone just as like I know that I'm gonna live in blooper reels for the rest of my natural <laughs> life you know and I have to kind of wear that but, you know, so be it. So he had the right attitude yeah. about the whole thing. Big credit to him for even calling the press conference to do it. Like, I, I, I thought yeah. that was like, he didn't have to do that. He could he didn't have to go in front of the court, press corps and say, you know, and confront it. He could have just gotten away with letting the team handle it. But I think, like, I mean, I think the only thing worse than doing it is, like, hiding from it kind yeah. of <laughs> especially when if you're good natured about it people will kind of stop busting your balls to your face about it <laughs> like you know it's bad enough that you're going to be on get it out of the way forever. right you sort of have to you know um but yeah it was rough it was rough and that wasn't even i mean it, it's still the most ridiculous thing but it can be argued that it wasn't even the most ridiculous thing to happen to the Pirates that game. Oh, really? Yeah, because the next inning, uh, Wisdom, I don't remember Wisdom's first name, uh, but he got hit by a pitch, and the Pirates appealed it. And on review, they ruled that the ball hit the knob of the bat, and it was, in fact, a foul ball. And then he hit a home run. <laughs> <laughs> so they won the appeal and lost the war. <laughs> Oh man, that is that is such a that is just one, pirate baseball. That's beautiful. One inning later, <laughs> and the, re the way that I found out about that was that one of the uh, the guys in Pirates chat, Bucko Ball blog, was like, "In case you turn the game off in disgust, <laughs> this is what happened." <laughs> so I so I just posted that conversation on Twitter because I couldn't believe that it was real because I actually had stopped. I didn't turn it off in disgust. I turned it off to tweet excessively about the play. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. 
I, it's been a rough week for the Pirates in general. Like, Richard Ar- yeah. Rodriguez blew a save yesterday. Uh, yes. It's just, you know, they're yep. playing the Rockies right now. Uh, yeah. Bad time to be a Pirates fan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they lost. Yeah, he blew a save to the Rockies, which is rough. But it was at least the day after a doubleheader against the Rockies where they shut them out twice in a row. They beat him 7 nothing, 4 nothing. So smart money was on uh, Chase DeYoung making uh, his first start at W. And then of all things to ruin that, it was Richard Rodriguez <laughs> somehow. Uh, but, you know, you tip your cap to Charlie Blackman putting one off the center field wall. <laughs> like, he has a way of doing that, yeah. Yes. When he, at least yeah. he had like a triple and two doubles in that game. Like he was, he was seeing literally everything. Yeah, that's a very Charlie. Yeah, that's a, that's a very. Uh, I've 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 seen him do that quite a number of times. To yeah, that. he goes for streaks like that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's that's the going out on your shield is having Charlie Blackman <laughs> uh, take you take you to the wall. So there's no shame there. Um, but yeah, it's been. I mean, it's just been a very frustrating year because it started. Yeah, you say year, but it's two I months. Mean, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's two months, but it's also just. What is what is it like being a being a modern pirates fan really though? Uh, well, that's because every day feels like a year. Um, <laughs> right. It's just I mean it's hard because you don't want to cry poverty and you especially don't want to cry poverty when it's a like a billionaire just being cheap who wants to like well, I've been a Twins fan my whole life. I know exactly what this is like. I mean, I've definitely had long stretches like this, yeah. Right. Polad was the worst, wasn't he? Yes. You yes. Know? And and so what you want is a sort of gentleman billionaire who treats it like a vanity project, you know. Right. A, a Qatari sheik who owns slaves. That's what you want as a baseball fan, <laughs> apparently. Someone who will just pour their dad's wealth into giving you a winning experience. And instead, what I have is just a normal rich guy who actually wants to make money from the Yankees but own a team in Pittsburgh. <laughs> And so that's what I have. I have a guy who puts together a barely credible operation and then uses revenue sharing money to get another boat. And just kind of coasts on having like a really beautiful park. Yes, it is. It's nice. It is really nice. It is. You know, um, I mean, it was fun. You know, we when, you know, we took a family road trip out there like four or five years ago, you know, and that was really nice, you know, go through Pennsylvania and hit Hershey Park and then go to a pirates game or whatever you know beautiful drive yeah yeah you know but you know to do that once every five years i just want that qatari billionaire (laughs) (laughs) i mean all of that got beaten out of the league though yeah like completely out of the owners uh you know (laughs) back when who was who was it that that uh that you know the commissioner had said to all the owners like how many of you would want uh uh, would you know operate at a loss if it meant <laughs> you know uh, winning a World Series? And he said, you know, any of any of you that raised your hand there should should have your team stripped of you. <laughs> like, this is this is this is a money making operation. Right. Like I don't know, it's it's that's how you can just tell that billionaires just fucking suck. Is that like this is the sort of thing that they should just be pouring money into for for fun? But none of them are like that. That's it's just it's just right. a, it's a myth. At that's not how billionaires operate. It's a bummer. I mean, it's an industry that generates this much money, and then they consider their ticket staff seasonal employee. It's like, right. why would you possibly do that? Just put them on salary and like find something for them to do in the winter 
And they don't. Everyone is expendable, you know, even at like the really, I mean, I, I don't think I'm talking out of school because I think he put it in his book, but so be it. Uh, I may check with this and may <laughs> ask you to delete it. But a friend of mine, a guy who I went to high school with used to be Mr. Matt. Oh, wow. And he lost it. And he lost his job as Mr. Matt, basically, basically when he asked for health insurance. I have heard this, I think. I, make I don't know if it was like that. in a group chat or something. <laughs> That's, yeah, That's probably what it was. I, I, especially yeah. because you think that hat would really cause like some serious neck issues over the years. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, and I think they are not, uh, the Department of Health never asks them to clean anything. <laughs> so, no. Um, but yeah, he was Mr. Met for a while. Like he was Mr. Met in the ESPN commercials where uh, one of the pitchers, wow. like, you know, made a joke about seeing Mrs. Met with someone else or whatever. And he hung his head. <laughs> I, I guess the, the flip side of the, the, we, we don't get the billionaires we want. I guess instead we now get the smart GMs, the ones right. who are supposedly great at drafting. And I, I think I'm, I'm curious how you as a fan have taken to Ben Charrington. I know he's got like a, a pretty lengthy history in in Boston is on, on the serious player dev side. Uh, I'm curious to think how you think he's kind of doing. So it's been like a little over almost two years now, a year and uh, a half. Something season. like that. I don't even think it's that much. Year and a half, I guess. I think they hired him like... Like I end think, of 2019? Yeah, I think I think they got he got uh, hired and you know Shelton got hired at the end of 2019, so they were in place before the mm-hmm. pandemic year. And I mean, early returns I suppose seem pretty good. Uh, you know, I the uh, the Musgrove trade like I I can't mm-hmm. keep all of it in my head, but so far the returns from the Musgrove trade look good down in the minors. I don't remember if Eric Gonzalez was a Charrington deal or a Huntington deal, but Tanaj Thomas is like blowing people away in the minors. And so uh, that was, that was the Jordan Luplo trade. We got Eric Gonzalez and uh, Tanaj Thomas from Cleveland and maybe even someone else, but I don't think that someone else is on anybody's radar as a prospect. Um, well, well, that was what I was kind of surprised by when I looked into the because I, I spent a big part of the weekend being like, "What's to do with the Pirates?" Because I've I've been trying to get a feel for where all the different rebuilds are. The, with Orioles kind of treading mm-hmm. water, um, and I, I was first I was struck by it was curious that the Pirates kind of did the same thing the Diamondbacks did. They never said they were going to rebuild, as far as I could tell. It was always just, "Well, we'll see where we are. We'll keep developing our talent." But I think the trading thing now is to not ever say you're rebuilding or something, uh, yeah. unless you're going to do a really hard teardown. Um, but there's a lot of talent like graduating to the majors probably like next season. Like four yes. or five guys, including Thomas, uh, Swaggerty, uh, the, the super well, tall. Swaggerty's on hold. I mean, yes, but Swaggerty, like, mm-hmm. Swaggerty hurt his shoulder like uh, two weeks ago. I Diving on back on a pickoff, he separated his shoulder, and so they're deciding between surgery and not surgery. Like, that's been the real bummer of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, we knew the team was going to be bad. And then we had, out of the gate, we had a few weeks of, like, really good pitching, especially out of the mm-hmm. bullpen, um, which seems like kind of cobbled together from spare parts, but everyone's, like, everyone was pitching well. And then Cabrian Hayes got a, you know, broke. They won't admit that it's a broken hamate bone, but it seems like a broken hamate bone. Though he's he's projected to come back on Thursday. I saw uh, that. That was just, super exciting because he's the yeah, guy I've been wanting to watch the most. Yes. Just like Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is he coming back on Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> no, the hamate bone. Oh. oh, no, no. That's the, 
what is that called? That's like the high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that, right, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too many, too many steps. I'm old. I only connect two steps in a one, for one joke. <laughs> um, uh, but Hayes got hurt, mm-hmm. and then Swaggerty got hurt, mm-hmm. and Cody Bolton, who was finally sort of back in pitching, but who has had like a Jameson Tyone like injury history in the minors without the cancer, but like he he got hurt again. And then Nick Gonzalez, who was our first round pick out of, I don't remember if it was New Mexico or New Mexico State, but he came out just like gangbusters, just like hitting everything, you know, like a high 300s batting average with pop. And then he got hurt. And like, and so all of us were like, you've got to be fucking kidding that like all of these people are getting hurt. But. O'Neill Cruz is still tearing the cover off the ball and Mason Martin has pop. And so, you know, like there's a lot good down there and it looks like, it looks like Charik then can draft and it looks like he can, uh, he can, you know, he makes smart trades. He, 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 he seems like a very competent uh, drafter. And I think probably they're also putting a lot of money into, or, or, you know, moderate money into player development, which is Mm -hmm. uh, his background at least. I'm I'm fascinated by Neil Cruz. Have you gotten to actually seen him much? Because the idea of a six foot seven shortstop is so fun. <laughs> yes, I have not seen him in the field, though. Like I have, so his his defensive reputation is good, but because he's six seven, everyone says they're going to move him. But there's there's really nobody blocking him. Like Cole Tucker hasn't shown mm-hmm. he can hit major league pitching yet, even though he's a better he's probably a better fielder. And Kevin Newman is like you know, an average fielder with like no pop at all. You know, like he he made a lot of news for hitting like six fifty or seven hundred in the spring. And I think like eighty percent of it were infield hits. <laughs> you know? It's just like it was just like this whole thing where you're watching his batting average climb up, but with just a sense of dread that it will mean they can't move him ever. And you know, in like little league, they'll be you know like oh bring him in for like the, yes. the look a kid that can't do it. They're just gonna eventually do that on just right. like yeah, no infield singles anymore for this kid, and then he's right. shut down. Satchel Page sitting the outfielders <laughs> down. Um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. And and I I can kind of see because I'm I'm trying to be a little optimistic about the rebuild. Like I think and there's some talent on the field already. Like I I don't know if I think people are still kind of sleeping on Brian Reynolds as like a a breakout guy. Yeah, he had a really bad pandemic year. Like he batted around 200. But this year he's badly, you know, he hit over 300 as a rookie. He's up like in the neighborhood of 300 now. He bounces up and down. But he's got like five or six home runs, which in Pittsburgh, his home run baker, you know. Uh, And so he's, I love Reynolds. And he's a, he's a, you know, he's not, I don't think he's a gold glove guy, but he's a good fielder. You know, he, you know, he handles center field for us a lot. Fine. Absolutely. And very importantly, he's pre, uh, pre-arb eligible. He is. He's only 26. <laughs> he's only wow. 26. It's his third year, you know. And I, someone, uh, someone asked me about him, like, as a trade target for the Braves. You know, I think it was Athens, Greece, uh, you know, was talking about how the Braves should get him. And apparently Pirates fans filled his mentions with, no, the Pirates will never trade Brian Reynolds. And I'm like, well, 
They'll trade him. It just won't be cheap. I don't think Charrington is too precious about any of this shit, especially because he wasn't like we got Brian Reynolds for Kutch, I think. I think he right, was the centerpiece right. of the McCutcheon trade. And so it's not even a Charrington deal. So if he was going to be precious about it, he's not going to be precious about a Neil Huntington acquisition. And uh, but he's he's pre-armed. He's hitting 300. He plays a more than credible outfield and he's got some pop. He's not coming cheap. You can't get him with like a couple of middle middle reliever prospects. You're going to pay for Brian Reynolds if you No, want. you you can't do the Reddit the Redditor trade thing where you just kind of like picture your team's crappiest possible right. deal and hope it'll work. It, it'll it would actually right. require like a, a some serious top prospects. Right. Do you see that do you see that being the next couple of years of the fran- they, do you think they're still going to try to churn to find their core or is this the start of the core? I think it's the start of the core, but they may, I mean, they may end up choosing to churn. I, like, I, I don't have enough of a read on him, but I think he's going to be more willing to churn than Huntington was. Like, Huntington's big thing was he always waited a year too long, right? Oh, yeah. Like, he waited, he waited until Polanco for, like, lost all value. You know, he kept getting hurt, and he really never found the eye that got him to the majors. So he's a lot of swing and miss with a big, long looping swing and whatever. So when he makes contact, the ball really goes, but you know, he misses too much. And he also seems to get squeezed a lot. Like he gets in a lot of shitty counts by getting really really Mm -hmm. bad strikes called against him. And I don't like that's, you know, black and gold glasses or whatever. But I find that he more than anyone else seems to find himself in really frustrating counts Mm-hmm. where, you know, I didn't think it was a bad take, but now he's in a hole and he's got a swing at a shitty slider that he might not have wanted to. But he waited too long and now Polanco's like 13 million bucks and no one would pay like a small fraction of that. No, I think he is off the team after this season though, right? Like I think he's yes. on a team, it's a team uh, option next year. It's a team option, but it's 5 million to buy him out of it. And like 11, I think it's like 11 million to pay him. <laughs> they're like, they're the two big years left on the, on the, Yeah. On his pretty good extension he got, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, he He's one of the guys who really benefited from signing that cheap pre-arb extension. Like, Absolutely. they held him in the minors too long. They brought him up and then got him to sign long-term, and he it paid off for him because he didn't perform to that deal, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of the uh, – oh, they waited way too long on Kutch. Either that or they didn't diagnose Koch's injury, right? Because he seems to be swinging the bat pretty well this year. But he lost all of his speed in Pittsburgh. Like his ass just got colossal. And he just stopped really being able to run. His defense was always a little overrated in the kind of Bernie Williams mold where he kind of has a noodle arm and, you know, would play really shallow and make outs and that sort of thing. But he wasn't as good a defender as his reputation had it. Mm -hmm. But I would die for him. Of course. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound ungrateful. I would absolutely die. For uh, he's the best. Him. Yeah. And he's a free um, agent next year. They can bring him back. Oh my God. They never would. He would, he, <laughs> they couldn't afford his, they couldn't afford his rate. And then Garrett Cole, they probably waited, you know, they like, it's, it was really a bad spot because they coached Garrett Cole poorly. Right? Very poorly. Like, that, that's like, I think that's was like, there's been a couple books about it at this point about how like, yeah. <laughs> uh, just like no, don't throw your best pitches you just need to throw the, the two-seamer over and over again keep yeah. it down to the zone why are you putting it at the top what do you 
There's a friend of mine, yeah, there's a friend of mine who, <laughs> whose big pirates conspiracy theory is that the pirates pitched a contact was a way of avoiding strikeouts as a salary arbitration leverage. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now, this is sounding like twin stuff, to be honest. Like, this is sounding like Terry Ryan era twin stuff. You know, where he's like, and like, that's like, Ray Searage drove me nuts with that. Because people mm-hmm. were like, why are you telling Garrett Cole to pitch to contact? And he'd say, we're not telling him to pitch. We're not telling him to pitch to contact. We're telling him. And then he would speak for like 30 seconds. But if anyone had to summarize those 30 seconds, the words they would use is pitch to contact. Right. And so like, it was, it was maddening because as soon as he went, to Houston, he started striking out like 12 per nine, 13 per nine, something crazy like that, like yeah. reliever numbers. And it's not just like, you know, he got their goop. Like, it's not, right. it's not that. Right. <laughs> like, it's way more than that. He started throwing high in the zone. Yeah. They implemented yes. the brilliant strategy of throwing your good pitches instead of your bad pitches. Right. 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 And so, you know, he's putting his fastball up at 99 so no one can reach it. And, He's hitting his spots and he's striking everybody out. And he's doing the same thing in New York. And excuse me, they only really let him do that his rookie year in Pittsburgh. Mm. You know, which and was the they, playoff series, right? That was the playoff was. year, right? The twenty playoff year mm-hmm. when he was, was actually uh, pretty solid. He had like a three or four win season. Yeah, it was, and he and I don't think he came. I'm not sure if he even broke camp with them that year. You know, like he may have been a guy. I don't remember if they held him down. And then, you know, he came up late and then just started pitching incredibly well. And he also had he also had A.J. Burnett there, you know. So even if people were, like, giving him shitty advice, Burnett would have been the guy to just go, like, just fucking strike people out. Don't be stupid about this. You're still young. Um, and so, you know, that was, like, a good guy to have, even though it was, like, Burnett's last hurrah. You know, like Burnett came out like gangbusters that year and I think made the all-star team and then kind of got hurt right in his last start before the all-star game and then just sort of struggled in the second half a little after the injury. But he was like, he was like, along with McCutcheon, Burnett was like the guy on that team was just so great. Well, I was look. I was looking at the 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 page for it and, and watching some highlights from that season. And I I'd also forgotten that uh, Francisco Cervelli had like an incredible uh, twenty fifteen. I don't know if that was one where it was like the framing uh, made it look better than it, it was in, in retrospect. But I was shocked to see that was like his because um, yeah. I, I don't remember him as that good a player now. But um, yeah, he was I right mean, there with he McCutcheon. Was, he was. He was. I mean, it was a lot of defensive value, but he also hit around three hundred with like sneaky with like sneaky power, you know, and he was like, that was still Russell Martin. So, you know, he was the primary guy. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Cervelli was like off the bench providing like this incredible value as the second catcher. But Cervelli's why they let Martin go. Mm -hmm. Like they knew that he would be able to do that. And it was funny because when the, when the Pirates signed Cervelli, or traded for Cervelli, but I think they just signed him. You know, like I think the Yankees just didn't want to pay because he had earned enough as a backup in New York to like actually make money. Uh, I think it was Brandon McCarthy who I think had thrown to him in New York who was like, oh, you're getting, you have no idea how good the value you're getting on this guy is because they loved him in New York too. 
you know. Oh, sure. Um, and it was probably one of those things where they probably, you know, kind of saw him as equivalent to Posada because, you know, Posada was all hit, no glove. And people always wondered, like, there was a really good, uh, there was a really good article. I got, I never remember who it's by in fan graphs, I think, uh, about like statistics and whatever, about how, uh, <laughs> like about rating catchers. Mm-hmm. And like there was some guy who wrote that the Yankees had like rated like one of the lesser Molinas who was backing up Posada as potentially as valuable as Posada because he was all glove but no hit. And, you know, all the stats guys were like, oh, that's ridiculous. Why did the Yankees even keep him around? And then like five years later, they were like, see, defense has value. And it was just right. the stat heads catching up to the crusty old scouts who were saying it all along when you could actually finally point at the number and say uh, framing is important rather than looking at the guy and saying framing is important right right Right. when it when you could just look at the guy the nerds all said that the scouts were full of shit and then as soon as they could quantify it they're like i proved it and then the scouts are like what do you mean you you spent 10 years calling me a moron (laughs) <laughs> How come you're taking credit for this? Thing? You made it. You made a movie about it. It was a right. big hit. <laughs> <laughs> you made me the villain. And you're making yourself the hero by telling everyone I'm right. Uh, I it, it's uh, th- those are some fun teams. I, I was like really getting back into baseball in like 2015 and 2016, and the Pirates are just one of the coolest teams to watch in the game at that yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, I was also kind of surprised to look up in, in uh, the payroll numbers. Uh, they were the bottom third, but they were kind of at the top of the bottom third. Yeah. And it was just like such a stark difference from where they are now where it's like, I think this, it'll be like a $30 million payroll next season or something yeah, like that. something like, like that. But even that was bittersweet, right? Because, right, they, they break out in 2013, I think, right? That was the first mm-hmm. year they made the playoffs. And they spent a little money at the deadline. But not a lot. Um, I think that was the more year they got Marlon Bird, and they got um, the guy from Minnesota, and I'm blanking on his name. Oh, it was pre Francisco Liriano. It was pre Neil Walker. It was no, no, not a pitcher. It was like he was a first baseman, and it's like not oh. now, but I think it may have been an M. That doesn't matter. Um, but it, it was like a role player guy. They, they were they were spending by that like time in his guys. career, yes. But he had been a very significant player on the Twins. But they, um, but they made a push, right? They kind of made a push. They got into the playoffs. They beat Cincinnati, and then had like that hard luck series against the Cardinals, where they went up two one, and then they lost. It was Marno. I can't. I'm sorry. Yes, I blanked Justin on Morneau. it. It was just. Oh, Morneau. okay. Yeah, um, yeah. I can't believe I blanked on that. Yeah. Sorry, I was. I kinda, was looking I'm, right at you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah. going to save me. Um, yeah, but I'm going to selectively edit this around. <laughs> um, but then in 2014, they make the playoffs, but with only in the ballpark of 90 wins, mm-hmm. and then they hit Arietta in the in the wild card game who shuts them out and then they like get just 
bad luck with the bases loaded, like Starling Marte hits a ball like 110 miles an hour right at Baez, who makes the play at the plate, you know, if that ball is like a foot in either direction, you know, it's a two-run single, and then they pull Arietta, and who knows what happens, but instead, it just ends up 4 nothing because Baez makes just this incredible snatch and throw. And then the next year, again, they win like 98, but it's like a slog. 2015 sucks because even though we win 98 games, we're like three games behind St. Louis from the gun. Like it's like we started the season three games behind St. Louis and never really caught them. So the whole fucking time we're winning every night and it sucks because the Cardinals win every night too. And that was so like the just, peak of the NL Central, like being yeah. just like dominant. Like the Cubs were really good that year too. Um, I yep. don't think that was the end of the talent either. Yeah. Yeah. And so we just know. Oh, you know what? It must have been Bumgarner the year before. And this mm. is the Arietta year, right? I had him backwards. It was Bumgarner the 88 88 right. win season. We end up playing the Giants and facing an unhittable Bumgarner in the wild card. And that's why this is such a shitty slog because we're winning 98. We know we're going to the wild card and we know we're facing Arietta. Yeah. Arietta is like Cy Young season year. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And that's what happens. He just shuts us down. And, you know, in the year before was just a bummer because we didn't set our rotation for the wild card game, hoping. You know, like for this desperation, if like we win three and St. Louis loses three, we'd win the division. And if we win the division, we skip the wild card. And instead, it fucks our rotation up and we start Volquez instead of Cole against Bumgarner. And boy, you know, Volquez gives up like four in the first. He had a very good year, but he's not who you want for one game. And so it was just, and in 2015, you're like, okay got 98 wins let's make some deadline deals and set us up for the playoffs nothing nothing they didn't spend like a penny on that team and then it all blew up after 2015 because that was it we lost you know we lost some players who mattered and that's it the seed like everything was gone after 2015 and so now they're not going to spend any money at all but not spending money in 2014-15 is what made pirate fans who care really bitter about how the nuttings approached it you know like i didn't think huntington was bad i thought huntington sort of understood talent and understood like there were certain things about pitching to contact and like the defensive revolution like shifts meant you didn't have to teach anyone how to catch the ball, you know, because they're like perfectly positioned guys who are not particularly good fielders if you put them in the right place. I mean, if you put them in the standard place, you know, so that stuff was frustrating. But I think that was all driven by the same cheap instinct that Mm -hmm. led them, you know, to try to find edges instead of trying to find the best players because you have to pay for the best players. And I, I imagine also, like, it's probably really frustrating because at the same time you're looking at, uh, uh, you're looking at uh, Kansas City, also a small market team, also like scrappy, uh, reputation of a scrappy team who is spending, who is going out and signing free agents and building yeah. a World Series roster. 
or and at least doing non-traditional things, right? Like when they went all speed and defense, that's like very money ball, right? We're going to go speed. We're going to go defense. We're going to fill our bullpen with 24-year-olds who throw 100 miles an hour for one inning at a time, you know, all stuff like that. They're like, and everyone's like, ah, you're playing like the 1920s. And it's like, that's right, buddy. <laughs> we are in the World <laughs> Series, you know? So that, but the team that really, like as a Pirates fan, the team that makes me, like angrier at Pittsburgh is Milwaukee. They put money into that team. They're not a Milwaukee's not the Goliath that Pittsburgh should be chasing around, mm-hmm. but they're they're behind Milwaukee most of the time because Milwaukee puts money into the team. There's yeah, they're they're extending their superstars for 180 million dollars, yeah. They're yeah. actually putting money yeah. on the on, on contracts. You know. I think that's a good uh, that's a good transition here because our mailbag is full of a bunch of questions <laughs> about the Brewers, actually. <laughs> Which you might be you might be perfect for because uh, I I barely follow the Brewers at all. I, I know very little about them. So you, you and you, yeah. you actually have to watch them a little. Uh, yeah, we haven't played bit. them that much this year yet. And Archibald Crane says, "Do the Brewers have the best trio of starters in baseball?" Well, you're going to have to name them. So yeah, that's not Warren, a good weren't you? Uh, did you? Were you looking at this one? No, it's the other Brewers question I was really looking at. Uh, All right, well then we'll. <laughs> I don't really know if there is a best trio of starters Burns. in baseball right yeah, now. Yeah, I don't. I think it's. A, I think it's a weird question. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least type their names in the question. What are we getting? Right. Work? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta. With uh, right. I assume um, that's a that's a very good uh, trio. Um, with Corbin looking pretty bad, I would otherwise probably say it was still the Nationals. So maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. I don't, I don't follow enough teams intensely to even know three starters on most teams. Uh, if if you want to ask this one again, I'll I'll actually do the research for next week and come up with a serious answer. <laughs> right. Uh, we'll just we'll just revisit it next week. But um, okay, next one. That's all right. Then I don't like this question very much. But at SlimeLar37 says, is the Yelich contract going to be worth it? I think it's silly to ask that. This far out there's still there's still time on it and like that question's always stupid it's so subjective and like i don't know if you want to break things down by like how much is like one war worth like yeah i don't know i don't like i don't like these questions very much and really a lot of those extensions you're paying for the past couple years when they were under market exactly great seasons and you're trying to do right by them that said i do i did look into uh yelich's Stat cast numbers a little bit because I was I was kind of worried because his ISO is super low this season, uh, but he's hitting the ball just as hard, uh, so I'm not really super concerned. He's he's his launch angle is really weird this year. It's like even lower than it was last year when it was uh, lower than it's ever been. But those are fixable mistakes, and sometimes it takes guys quite a while to figure stuff out. Uh, at the end of the day, he's uh, still just hitting the crap out of the ball, and that was always the yeah. promise of his talent coming out of Miami too. So yeah, I mean, look. I, I I hate any question that makes me be a GM. Uh, I mean, I think right. about it that way all the time. And it's not like I don't play fantasy sports, but it really uh, fiddles with the most annoying part of my brain. Like, I get it. I'm old and I'm fat and I can't run. So the part of the <laughs> game that I can do is the GM part. <laughs> Right. So that's the, and so uh, I, you know, that's kind of, and so I don't not think about it that way, 
but I don't, I also think of the team owners as limitless piles of money. Yes, which they are. Yeah. Which they should be. And so whenever, uh, whenever one of these guys is crying crocodile tears about sustainability, I want to scream. And so my answer to this is like sometimes they may like turn out to be a bad uh, value for the guy who owns the brewers but you sitting at home shouldn't give even half of a shit about that. And you should get exactly. just as bad at the guy who owns the Brewers for not signing the next guy if he decides to blame yep. the Yelich deal. Absolutely. And and really, like, at the end of the day, you're going to get to watch uh, a former MVP uh, play, play for your team for another seven seasons. And there's, like, infinite yeah. value uh, for the person at home in, in that. Yeah. I mean, it's like I get why the Dodgers cut pool holes, right? The Dodgers probably – not the Dodgers. The Angels. Angels. The Angels should have cut pool holes, frankly, because – Three years ago, yeah. Well, yes, probably. But I mean like specifically this year, they wanted him to be like a bench bat and an eminence grease. And he was like, I don't want to do that. And then you have to cut him. Right. Like it's better. It's like it's it works out for both of them. The angels get to cut him. He gets to call the angels a bunch of assholes and he gets to get his retirement tour with the Dodgers who are going to the playoffs. And he doesn't have to take the psychological hit of moving to the bench with the angels. He signs with the Dodgers knowing he's going to be a bench bat, but they approach him respectfully as opposed to demoting him. Right. So like everyone wins, you know, it's weird to think about the angels not doing right by pools, but he gave the, if he's not willing to become like a bench warmer, they have other people to play. They can't have him going one for five every night. No. And, and I, 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 I'm glad that they did it and I'm glad uh, it's sort of working out for them. I do think that the media narrative around Pujols and the Dodgers is kind of funny because it's a lot of like, Oh, late, late career resurgence. He's hitting pretty good. And then you look at the numbers and it's like a one Oh four WRC plus so far. Like it's like barely, it's like, Two or three hits, one or two extra base hits, including like a fairly clutch, I think, uh, uh, tr- double in in pretty recently. But and uh, he also had a game winning home run pulled back. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes. Yeah. He had yes. like he actually got all of one, and someone yanked it back over the <laughs> fence, which is just like a sort of uh, postmodern Hollywood ending. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's very Cohen Brothers. It, it, it's it's a little disrespectful to a guy who's still trying to get get to uh, you know as many as he can in. Yeah, yeah, but you gotta you gotta you can't take the L just for Pujols's uh, Pujols's emotions. But yeah, for I six hundred or whatever. You're really, I mean, you're really going to see a very warped perspective of Pujols because he is so iconic for like an entire generation of baseball fans, the media is never, if he like, he gets a spot start and he goes over three with three strikeouts, no one will mention it. But if he hits a home run, that's going to be like the headline everywhere. So it's going to be like only good. Absolutely. News, like it's going to be only good news pools for the rest of the season, which, you know, he, I think he earned, you know, 
so I don't yeah. mind. Years it, ago, exactly. and there's got to yeah. be an, a series uh, with the Dodgers in in uh, St. Louis still this season, right? There, I, I haven't looked at the schedule, but that's got to happen still. I'm pretty I, sure. They, yeah, I don't think they've played yet. Yeah, they will have to remove the pandemic restrictions at Bush Stadium <laughs> if there are any for that. That's going to be like it's going to be packed like a college football game for Pujols coming back on his like last. Uh, yeah, I bet. I bet they're not series. that restrictive yeah. uh, in St. Louis yeah. <laughs> about it. You know, yeah. I know it. Like, like at Target Field up here, they're like after like July Fourth, they're just taking all the caps off. Yeah. yeah, when when the California teams announced that they were going to go to full capacity, like in June, I, I kind of do like it's over. The, 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 all the yeah. teams are going to go to full capacity in the next yeah. six to eight weeks. So yeah, I can't even get tickets for when the Pirates come to New York yet because. Uh, City Field is not selling anything after like late June because right. they're kind of, you know, they they're were waiting. selling in like pods of six during the, you know, for the restricted seating. And then they have like, it's really funny the the fully vaccinated seating at City Field <laughs> is like really nosebleed stuff, like where you can sit. Like, like you would think that it would be like premium, but it's not. They they pack all the people who want to sit in close proximity uh, in Brooklyn, <laughs> and um, and everyone else is sort of spread out. But the late season stuff they haven't even started selling yet because when they do it, they want to just be able to like sell the whole. Stadium. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Nationals so. are doing the same thing. I think it's like they're not putting any game tickets out more than two or three weeks at a t- at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you not? Have you not been to your first game yet? No. Oh, no. it feels good. <laughs> I just bought. I just bought tickets for uh, for a game in like uh, like two weeks. Yeah. Hell yeah! Um, I bought like good good seats for a Twins Astros game. Nice. First, That'll be super good. Yeah. The first game I go to will probably actually i have to check the schedule but they'll probably be taking my kid to a cyclones game because it's coney island and it's like a great day you know you go down and you know dick around on the coasters and (laughs) right uh you know and then you uh go to uh go to a game and uh maybe go to brighton beach for palmeni or something (laughs) yeah i'm planning like a whole weekend around it like (laughs) friday night i'm gonna go there i'm gonna go to the twins game Saturday, I'm gonna like go see a friend's band. Like the first like show I've been yeah. to since the <laughs> pandemic. Like at like one of my favorite bars that's you know still around in Minneapolis and stuff. So like yeah, just making a whole whole deal out of yeah. it. It's gonna be great. I uh, I so, I haven't bought the tickets yet, but the <laughs> I'm I'm tentatively putting together because I've been to a game already. But I'm tentatively putting together some plans for when uh, the Astros go to the Orioles in late June. And I think we're going to try to get a little team together to go and uh, do, nice. do some heckling. Oh, very oh, yeah. nice. Very nice. Camden, Camden Yards is also fun. The Gorgeous park. Parts, absolutely incredible. Yeah. This, the seats don't all face the right way exactly. <laughs> it was really designed <laughs> more by uh, an aesthete than by an engineer, as far as I can tell. But it is like a beautiful park, and the walk up to the park is really nice. It's like right in the middle of a walkable part of Baltimore, and so you just kind of go super right downtown. In. Yeah, yep. it, it, parking nice. is like forty bucks everywhere around it, but you know that's that's baseball. Yeah, right, right, right. That's why I take the train. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, for our last question, I think we're going to enter some territory that this podcast has not entered before, and that's music criticism. Oh dear. 
um, at Pigeon Eyes, our friend Lewis, for you know, just a guest. He was just a guest on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, we love Lewis, um, but he says, please give your review of Brewer Fever, which is a 1981 uh, like promotional Brewer song. Uh, and he says, Jane can't say the Twins theme song is better. And Lewis, uh, you don't get to tell me what to do on my own show. <laughs> Um, so we are going to compare the two here, okay. but, um, all right, ready? Yep. Right. Intro's too long. Gotta get to the lyrics quicker. Stop your feet, clap your hands. They meant Gorman Thomas. Alright, alright, alright. It, it sounds like get it. it sounds like a commercial for like a really crappy regional theme park. Yeah, yeah like a go-kart place. Yeah. yeah. Like yep. where the kids yeah. are getting maimed every day. That's right. And it even has <laughs> It even has the lasers. For yeah, it, it literally, I literally think it's the same boo-boo sound that, like, the original Gundam cartoon from the 70s has of, a, like, an it's theme song. Oh, man. I don't, I don't like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I get what it's going for. I think it takes too long to get going. There's a whole nother minute and a half of the same thing. Yeah, no, no. Um, It's, it, it it has like, it's family friendly to the point where it should be in, uh, God, how did I blank on Overlook Hotel? What the hell is that movie? The The Shining. Shining? The Shining. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, you know, it, the, the, really, the big objection to it is that it's it's wait. You're right. It's absolutely it's way too long. It takes too long to get anywhere. We need like the the tight like thirty second remix. And that's and why then, I'm going to show you. That's why I shouldn't show you the the song they play for the twins called "We're Gonna Win Twins." Okay. This is the 19, 1987 version that it gets going right away. Okay. So, good. Right. Good. Let's let's go. I mean. It's got a little bit of a saxophone intro. It has to. It's still eighty seven. This is G E Smith. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Minnesota Twins. Like, love that. Yeah, I feel like there's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of Fargo going on in there. Yeah, and it like it doesn't have like a bridge. It's not like like constructed like it's supposed to be like a pop song, and it's and it's not about like yeah have fun sitting in the stands. Like it's like yeah we're gonna win, motherfuckers. Like it just keep, it just goes. Yeah, 
I mean, it, it still sounds like a, the Full House theme song to me. Like it's right. Yeah. But that's the whole thing. That's that was fine. the whole that's thing. Fine. That's a tight but, 59 seconds. I'll take it. Right. That's not bad. I like I actually am partial. I grew up with it. It's like to me, it is like the cars for kids jingle in my brain. But right. uh, meet the Mets. Oh, that's a great one. The gold standard. That's like it's, everything's it's trying to get to, to that me. level. Yeah. Yeah. Like it yeah. really it really works on every level. It's super simple. It's peppy without being cloying. I don't know. Like I and 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 credit to the team for sticking by it. They still play yeah. that fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Unlike a lot of the teams that have rightfully decided that these are mostly pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah. The twins did abandon um twins polka. Uh, from the the sixties, thank God. Bring That's it back. Wrong. We need that. That's abandoning. It's like culture. it's like a medley. It's like a medley that goes into like take me out to the ball game too. It's it's no, it's awful. It's yeah. trash. I really it's, tra- respect, it's trash. Poca. Maybe they did something that I'm not aware of, but I I really respect the Dodgers for just like no. Randy Newman did a good job. We're just yeah. gonna yeah. We're That's just right. gonna let him do his thing. We're gonna leave that to the pros. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, I mean, one thing I like, and I think they now do it at both New York stadiums, is after God Bless America, a song that I could stand to never hear again, um, Mm because no version of it isn't annoying, but... They do the uh, the wedding song from The Godfather. <laughs> oh, that's good. And it's awesome. And no one knows the words. It's all in Italian. No. But it's again. It's awesome. All right. Uh, that's all we're going to do for the questions this week. This one's already uh, already gone on uh, pretty long. But uh, thank you so much, Charles. That was that was some amazing pirates insight. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know. Outside of outside of probably some what I imagine are very sad pirates podcasts. I don't know where you're going to get that. Yeah, I can't even <laughs> I I like this is such a good outlet for me because my family doesn't want to hear any of this. Not a word. Well, so. come Come I like September when Cabrian Hayes takes you to the to like fourth to five yeah. games behind the uh, wild card. We'll, yes. we'll we'll have you back on well, to, to see I where we are I for sure. <laughs> well, is there anything you want to? Is there anything you want to plug? We we, we uh, got to no, get better at asking. I don't, I don't have. I mean, I just have two sort of cool recent. Uh, podcast appearances that are worth listening to too. Hey, I you're on, on No Cartridge, right? I was on No Cartridge. I did patch notes with Trevor yep. and John Bernhardt <laughs> talking about the Epic versus Apple uh, litigate, antitrust litigation. And uh, I was on Chin Music, uh, Kevin Goldstein's uh, Fangraphs Oh, her Fangraphs, yeah. Uh, and I talked to him about uh, the antitrust exemption. Um, and the history of the awesome. antitrust exemption. And now that the uh, Republicans are making noise about big tech and antitrust and right. all of that. So we talked about uh, that sort of thing. Um, and, and because baseball got too woke. Uh, and so they <laughs> yes, were talking about invoking oh, the antitrust exemption because baseball uh, was speaking out in favor of racial justice. <laughs> <laughs> You know that actually Just, that that brings that makes me think of something. I think we should make a vow to you that we will never invite you on the podcast to talk about legal stuff. That oh, is not who never. you are to us. No. Oh well, I you're mean, more I to us than that. I do appreciate that, but only to the extent that you don't have a different law person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have to be everyone's law person. Um, but okay, the, okay, that's fair. Uh, but I mean, my my line for him 
was that even if Democrats were skeptical of like the uh, Major League Baseball's antitrust exemption, they certainly weren't going to vote it out as part of the broader Derek Chauvin Act, which is like what the Republicans <laughs> were asking for. Yeah. And so uh, it's probably safe for now. But uh, but again, thanks for having me on. This was a lot. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. Uh, all right, well, we'll be uh, we'll be you'll be hearing from us next week. I'm, I got to get better at these outros. All right, bye. Everybody.